Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show here on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning, even then we're coughing our guts up with COVID. <laughs> that was like... You're with the double L team, Larlan. Lawson. I'm grateful that technically you've gotten over COVID, but, yes. you know... Then I come to the studio and you're coughing up in the mics and yeah, it's a bit of a struggle, but you know, I'm didn't still quite, great. I'm still grateful for the, you. Didn't realize the mics had gone live. They had, ju- they had just been unmuted. They had just <laughs> gone live and then Lyle's like, Oh, I just got to pull out a sneaky cough. But regardless, people, people know that you're okay now. They do. The, the lungs alive. are cleared. My, my lungs are. Cleared for the next 15 minutes. Is that what you're grateful for this morning? Well, that's that's probably a good thing to be grateful for. Yes, mm-hmm. COVID was a rough ride. Uh-huh. I'm glad that I'm feeling a whole lot better than what I was. Dude, totally. That's awesome. Feel a little bit better every day. Uh-huh. A little uh-huh. bit less brain fog. Yeah, that's so true. It does, like, take a while to get out of it. But then... Still getting out of breath when I exert myself. Oh, that's mildly. true. You, like, walk up the stairs and be like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 that's, the worst. that's tough. It's like all I did was walk up the stairs. Yeah. Oh, my my tough thing was like when I after I had COVID, I just couldn't sing for ages. Like, and I would be like kept getting put on the roster to sing at church, and then I have to kept taking myself off. I'm like, guys, I can't sing. Like, I can't even breathe. <laughs> I'm like, I'm struggling. But then you know, eventually, and you like you you feel like you're angry because you took it for granted. But then when you're finally out of it, you're like, wow. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. It is The Breakfast Show here on Faith FM, which means that we are about to get into our quiz. Yes, as and always. after we get in the quiz, we're going to have positively different news with Lawson, and that will be the main event. Uh, no, just, I'm, <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right, who am I? I said, our hearts melt and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and earth below. If you know who said that, 0491-064-669 is the number to call. If you answer correctly, you need to type in, may I enter the quiz? If you're the first person correct with the correct answer, you'll get two entries to the draw at the end of the week, and we will be giving away, after a draw, uh, the Bibliopoly board game, a biblical game of fun and faith. So, yeah, it's actually... We're expecting an invitation to a games night. That's right. We will come and spend time with you if you win this, if you... (laughs) If you invite us and and cook us food and, uh, you know, all of those different things. And it's basically, it's Monopoly, but you work together to, like, build churches and evangelize, which I think is fantastic. Like, because, like, I I love Monopoly, um, but I I have deep-seated problems with competitiveness. It's the the bane of my life, and I just want to beat everyone all the time when I don't get really angry on the, you know. But as I've like grown, oh, you know, you, you kind of grow out of it and you mature. But playing Monopoly, especially, bro, I'm like, I'm just ruthless, and then I'm angry because then I lose. I just make enemies of everyone, and then I lose. And so, and so in in Bibliopoly, uh, I don't have to worry about that because we're all working together. We're all, yes. we're all coming together. How Absolutely. fun. How good. 0491 Again, that quote was, Our hearts melted and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and earth below. 
Okay, who said that? Give us a call right now if you know the answer. Lawson, what have we got for uh, positively different news? Okay, I'm going to be talking about a bunch of different records that have been (coughs) broken very recently um, in regards to the, like, animal kingdom, um, as well as just some interesting stuff happening in the area of technology and natural kind of substances combined. Actually, I think I'll start with that. Basically, um, this is uh, something I've been covering for the last little bit as it's been rising in prominence, the idea that like algae has the ability to be used to power things. Um, and how that's possible is that they harness the power from th- photosynthesis. Basically, so they put algae in some kind of like container or like transformer, something like that, and the sun shines on it. And then as it goes through photosynthesis and it draws in nutrients from the sun and grows, they harvest that power and then put it like turn it into electricity and power things because of it. Um, and recently they've been making like small, um, you know, double A size, uh, algae batteries that have the ability to power like my microprocessors and those kinds of things. Um, it uses like the non-toxic algae. It's called, uh, Synecocystis. Um, and that, yeah, it naturally harvests, you know, as it goes through this process, naturally harvests energy from the sun as it's doing photosynthesis and whatnot as well. So I thought that was really cool because now we, we already knew that this was possible and they were doing these kind of like research and development tests on algae itself, but now they're starting to apply it to different things. So very soon your phone can actually just be filled with, you know, algae and, and whatnot. And, uh, you know, instead of uh, getting a lithium ion like battery change, if it fails, you just chuck some new algae in it. and You can eat algae. Maybe that, this is that is actually so. One of the biggest problems with lithium ion is like people are like, oh, how do we dispose of it? It's like super toxic. There, there and are nasty. some kinds of algae you can eat. I'm sure there is. Yeah, hundred percent. I think. Maybe well, I'm wrong. Maybe you I'm eat, wrong. I, we I, eat I'm like sure seaweed and yeah, stuff. Algae just, like, just like small seaweed, isn't it? I'm pretty sure. So ultimately, like once, man, you, once you, your battery goes flat, just chuck it in. Just just throw it in the pot. Yep. Cook it up. <laughs> Nah, raw. Through, through the next... Oh, okay, okay, just, okay. Just straight out, straight out of the mouth, like chuck some salt on it. Uh-huh. I love a good bit of roasted seaweed. Oh, best, it's my best favorite. Best recycling ever. That's amazing. But no. yeah, it's doing an amazing job and uh, they will continue to research and develop this technology so it can power more and more things. I want an algae-powered car. I just want my boot to be full of algae. Although some algae, they, I, think, I think there's a lot of algae actually that are um, toxic. Well, this is non-toxic. Al- al- algal blooms and... It specifically says everything. in the article I was reading that it was non-toxic. non-toxic so non-toxic. you could eat it after using it. You think so? Well, or you could feed it, feed it to the, to the Maybe. dog. Maybe. I, I actually doubt it. I, I do too. It's like had so much like electricity run, running through it. I don't know if that... Well, I think it at least make it taste gross. Um, okay, so records in the animal kingdom. Uh, a new dog has taken the record for the tallest dog on Earth. His name is Zeus. And guess where the tallest dog on Earth is from? Uh, the Netherlands. No. Uh, Think about it. Tall, big dog. Tall, big dog. I'm thinking Europe. No. Uh, Australia. No. I, I give up. He's from, like, the biggest place on Earth. Oh. Texas. Of course. Of course. Of the course. biggest dog on earth is from Texas. His name is Zeus. He is a Great Dane. And so how they measure the tallest dog, I thought that would go from like, like that would fully stretch the thing out and 
go from one end to the other, but they tickle, don't do tick, that. Tickle its belly while they did so, so that it thought it was having fun. Yeah, they, but they don't do that. They measure it like from its like front paw to the top of its head, which okay. is like still pretty short. But from the, from its front paw to the top of its head, it's three and a half foot tall. Which is like, yeah, that's a big dog. Which is like above my waist. There's like photos of it walking with its owner, and it's just massive. Like it's huge. I'm sure if you measured it, I, they don't have the measurements. It's like one point two, one point three meters, or something or other. Uh yeah, something like that. Yeah, three and a half feet tall. So, but then if you measured it from end to end, like he's probably like, it'd be one point two. He'd probably be like, honestly, he'd probably be like, like seven foot tall. Like from end to end, maybe six, seven foot, something like that. Um, if you like fully stretch them out. Because uh, Great the, Danes are like. To the nose yeah, of. that's right. Well, because Great Danes are like really skinny. And like, like they're big, skinny things. Like, oh, they're not like, they're not like a greyhound skinny, but they're not like big, yeah, yeah. big beefcakes. Um, but yeah, this thing like is just roddy. huge. Like, it's massive. And so, yeah, it has taken the record. Zeus has taken the record. The other record that's recently been broken, um, down in Phillip Island, they've had the most penguins to cross the beach in a penguin parade ever of roughly 5,000. Well, five. actually, they have a, a specific number here, 5,219 in the space of 50 minutes. That is epic. Which is interesting because, like, oh, I love penguins. I love seeing them walk. Yes. I think they look funny and dumb and they're awesome and they do cool stuff. Um, but they're not even in, like, their typical mating seasons where they're crossing the beach oh. right now. It's just random. Oh, they're just like oh, they just had a party. No, that's, like, that's incredible. They're like let's uh, let's get across this beach. So uh, scientists have been like speculating on the record numbers, and they're saying it's due to like the weather uh, right now. Like we've been talking about like La Nina and all that stuff and all the rain. Um, and they're saying yeah, a lot of a lot of penguins are just uh, making day trips um, as they're they're not usually breeding at this time, but they're just kind of getting around to avoid weather and, and whatnot. And so, yeah, you know what? Like, oh, man, I heard about this and I was like, man, I wish I was there. I get to – I've been to Phillip Island and seen the penguins before when I was really little. But, like, penguins are, like, my favourite part of the aquarium. They're my favourite part of the zoo. It's my favourite part of Melbourne. You know, you go to Melbourne, you go to St Kilda, you go to the pier there and you can see the penguins. Like, seriously, penguins are the best. And uh, a place in which there's so many penguins just walking around, oh, it would be my favorite. All right. The last record that I have to share about uh, is that a Nepali mountaineer has broken the record for the most summits to Everest. So this person has summited Everest uh, 26 times. They've been all the way to the top from the base camp, taking people up there. Their name is uh, Kami Rita Sherpa. Uh, and this dude, he is 52 years old. And each year, you know, as the climbing season comes around and, you know, each one of those, like, Everest tourists pays their $50,000 to to make their way up the mountain. Um, he is there leading them up. And so he is one of the most experienced uh, Everest climber, you know, reader of the rocks and the weather and whatnot, taking people up to the top. And I thought this was just uh, amazing uh, because, like, climbing Everest... It's interesting. Climbing Everest has become easier and easier. Once it was like the greatest feat in mountaineering ever. Uh, it's become easier and easier to the point. I think the oldest ever Everest climbers in their eighties and the youngest ever is like six or between six, eight years old, something like that. Um, uh, but this guy has like consistently for the last 25 years just been summiting Everest, uh, taking people up there. And, uh, yeah, so he's broken the record and he's definitely someone. Oh man, I just want to hang out with this guy. He's someone that I want to be friends with. I'm like, yeah, I mean, Everest, a lot of people would still die on Everest. Yeah, that's, that's right. Just, like, incredible. But this guy is just, he's just, he just keeps going. Mm-hmm.
You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Let's have the second clue for our quiz this morning. Let's see if you can get it from this one. My name is found in Matthew's genealogy of Jesus, but not Luke's. Okay. Yep. If one, you, one of those genealogies, but not the other. Yep. 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text if you know the answer. If you do, you can answer correctly and go into the draw at the end of this week to win a Bibliopoly, the board game, the biblical board game of fun and faith. So, again, that question was, my name is found in Matthew's genealogy of Jesus, but not Luke's. Give us a call or a text, 0491-064-669 with the correct answer. You so somebody related to Joseph rather than Mary. Yes. Yeah. There you go. Mm, interesting. Okay, so heading over to the United States, there's just been a uh, another mass shooting, this time in a Presbyterian church in California. Another one? They just had um, one in New York. Yeah, I know, but there's been another one. Uh-huh. Uh, there's one, of course, in the church, and uh, six casualties. Um, a man mm-hmm. ended the church. A 60-year-old, a man in his 60s ended oh, the church. Wow. So this is a little bit different from what we usually see. Mm. Um, he was found to have uh, two handguns. This was a uh, predominantly Taiwanese Congregation, and what happened is interesting because the men in the congregation responded to the shooter instantly, and were over over able to overpower him and hold him until the police arrived. Just uh-huh. you know, big old polyester pile up on top of him, and uh, hold him down until the police arrived. As a result of that, of course, uh, the victims were men, um, aged sixty six, seventy five, eighty two, ninety two. Wow. Um, and there was one 86-year-old woman that was also caught in the crossfire. Okay. So, yeah, rather than doing the, the, the typical reaction, I think the, the moral of the story is that you don't pick on Taiwanese people. Is this just a hate crime, though? Like, like well, is we this, don't know anything. Is this it's too just early like a yet. racially motivated hate crime? Like, like I, I, that's the question that I have. Like, well, the, the, the guy that went in there was Asian. Oh. So it could easily be a hate crime against different kinds of Asians or it could be a hate crime against religion. We don't know. It's too early to know yet. Wow. Okay, but he's been apprehended, right? Like, yeah, because the congregation, all the men in the congregation, just stood up and tackled him. That's that's because awesome. normally what happens in uh, these kinds of mass shootings is everybody scatters, yeah. which is not a terrible idea if you've got places to go. But what we've seen in places of worship is that it's actually the worst idea because it creates choke points, and those choke points become focal points. Uh, for the shooter, mm. and that's where everybody dies. They die in the in the choke points, or they try and take cover under the pews. Well, you know, you cannot kind of take cover in a building. Yeah, uh, you you you're just you're just inside of a coffin, and so yeah, these guys are all old guys, all old Taiwanese guys, and they've just tackled the guy and held him down until the police got there. Yeah, dude, they've been in a fight before. They're like one would one would kind yeah. of wonder what was going on here. Um, all of them, all of them that were uh, that survived are in a critical condition. Mm-hmm. Uh, the under sheriff chief uh, Jeff Halleck said that the group of churchgoers displayed what we believe is exceptional heroism and bravery in intervening to stop the subject. Mm-hmm. They undoubtedly prevented additional injuries and fatalities. I think it's safe to say that had people not intervened, it would have been much, much worse. Mm. And, of course, we've seen uh, numerous examples of that from time to time. Okay, moving from there to the abortion uh, debate that is taking place in the United States. And, of course, this is going to be something that's going to probably continue uh, through the th- through our winter, through their summer. Mm. Uh, they're promising, the, the, the pro-abortionists are promising a summer of rage as a result of what has been hinted at happening in the Supreme Court, which... 
is not outlawing abortion in any way, shape, or form. It's just saying it's not a constitutional right. Any mm. any state, you know, that wants to get together and to pass pro-abortion laws has the freedom to do so. Mm. But the Democratic House Caucus has sent out a memo uh, that they need to be changing their language in relationship to abortion and removing the word rare. So one of the mantras of the Democratic Party that sort of began with the Clintons, uh, particularly Bill Clinton, who was much more of a moderate and wanted to be able to include, you know, more moderate Republicans as well in mm. support for abortion, said that stated that abortion should be legal, safe, and rare. Mm. Well, the Democratic Party has now come out and said we need to drop the word rare because we don't actually want abortions to be rare and because they're actually not rare. Yeah, okay. Um, They said that the language is damaging. Now, of course, you know, here in Australia, about a quarter of pregnancies end up in abortion. That number has been dropping in the States, which is a positive thing. Uh, But, you know... Of course, when Bill Clinton said that back in the 1990s, that was back in the era of politics when there was such a thing as moderates. Mm. You know, social media has gotten rid of yeah. anyone who is a moderate and everybody's completely polarised these days. Yeah. We're radical. Everybody's radicalised mm. by social media. Mm. <laughs> Um, and what's interesting that is if you, if you look at uh, predominantly Democrat communities in the United States... Uh, they're up to eight times more likely to uh, have abortions mm. with some parts of places like in New York City where children are more likely to be aborted than to actually live. So over a half of all pregnancies are ending in abortions among some of these communities. So that's pretty, you know, you can you can kind of see why they want to get oh, rid of the word rare. Shudder. Um, and what they're saying is that the word rare implies that there's something negative about abortion and that it's something that you should be apologetic for. And so they're saying we need to get rid of this particular rare uh, word rare um, and that we should stop saying that the country should be reducing the number of abortions. Mm. Well, the opposite of that, of course, is increasing. Uh, they want to drop the word choice in favour of decision and stop then using the phrase unwanted pregnancy and instead say unexpected pregnancy. I'm not sure how the... But but I've come up with a solution for all of this. Uh-huh, okay. So we've got a great solution. I believe that women should stand up uh-huh. for their rights because when a pregnancy happens, they, they are typically the ones who are the most affected. Mm-hmm. So I think that women need to stand up and require men to sign a lifelong contract that includes the responsibilities of, par- of possible fatherhood and support for those children before they give consent to sex. Totally. Um, like, yeah, fatherhood and support, like financial support, like solves the abortion problem yeah. immediately. And, and I think that women should require men to sign this before they give any any form of consent. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's called a marriage contract. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's uh, right. If you just like, years. If you just, like, get married before, then... This is yep. going to solve most of these problems. Um, but the solution here, the solution to guilt is, and this is really what the um, Democrats are trying to come up with, is a solution for guilt mm. because people feel bad about this and I understand that people feel bad. And if this is something that you feel bad about, that I get that. I understand that. I appreciate that. Uh, 131114 is the lifeline number. I like to give that number out whenever we discuss this because I know the emotional trauma that is associated with this subject. Mm. But the solution is forgiveness, not redefining what sin is. Um, because redefining it will never make it go away. Mm. 
It's something that you'll carry for life. Uh, and the reason is because morality is coded into our DNA. There is no evolutionary explanation for morality. The only explanation is that morality has been coded into our DNA, and this is why Jesus died on Calvary. Yeah, well. So that he could provide forgiveness for us, so that we didn't have to live with the pressure of guilt that comes when wrong things are done. Mm. But this story is showing us that sin has also been supplanted into our DNA and our thinking. Yes, it has. Because this is like... This is sad, bro. It is. Like, over over half of pregnancies, like, we're not talking... Like, the catch cry Within- of abortion is all about, like, the reason we should put it through is because, well, what about this person who got sexually assaulted, like... And they go to the 0.1% yeah. of scenarios to argue the case rather than looking at the fact that it's just unwanted pregnancies. Mm. It's like, well, I don't want it, so... Anyway, 76 pro-life groups in an open letter have blasted efforts to criminalise women who have abortions and said, no, we need to criminalise the people, the purveyors of abortion rather than the victims of what they call a callous industry. And I I think this is probably a very positive uh, step that we need to take at this particular point in history. Um, There's been, you know, uh, 76 pro-life groups. So these are the 76 biggest pro-life groups that Mm. are in the United States right now. Um, and they want to ensure that laws uh, that laws are there to protect unborn children, not to harm their mothers. Mm. And so we need to make it easier for people to not having not have an abortion, um, rather than just going after the mothers. And of course, uh, in Nebraska, uh, the governor there, Pete Ricketts, has just said that he's going to pass legislation, a trigger law. Be one of uh, there's 13 other states that have trigger laws that will ban abortions if Roe versus Wade is overturned. So that's what's coming up. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Bad to have the third clue for our quiz. All right, this is really giving us some insight into who this person is. I tied a scarlet cord in the window so my family and I would be saved. 0491-064-669 is the number to call if you know the answer to that one. And if you do, you can go into the draw to win the Bibliopoly board game um and if you uh you, so you have to text him with the correct answer and then you need to say may i enter the quiz and then shell producer shell will put you in the quiz and it will be drawn at the end of this week so 0491-064-669 who tied a scarlet cord in their window okay if you know the answer give us a call and there will you will go in the draw for the prize but joining us on the phone this morning is angela saunders angela is an accredited practicing dietitian and nutritional consultant. Uh, she's been doing this for, well, many, many years, pretty much a lifetime. Uh, Angela, welcome to the show. Hello, Angela. It seems that we have uh, lost Angela there for a moment. Just bear with us for one moment while we get her back online again. I'm not quite sure exactly what has happened there, but Angela's going to be talking to us this morning about living longer, healthier lives uh, using nature's superfoods. Mm. And one of the interesting things, we did have a text message come through in relationship to, uh, where did it go here? In relationship to eating algae. Gary called through to say he eats algae every day. It's so nutritious. It's a major food source for Wait, what, space what kind, stations as well. What kind of algae? I don't know. Because I eat seaweed like almost every day. Like seaweed is like the best. Like, dude, so good. 
and you can make sushi or you can just like eat it straight because there's like oh, a couple different times. I'm not a fish. You you know you know about fish. it. I'm it's not a fish. so good. Yeah. Nah. Okay, Angela, are, are you there now? Can we hear you now? Yes. Hi there. Good morning. I'm so sorry about that. No, that's okay. We got cut off somewhere along the line, but it's all good. We're welcome to the show. Glad that you can join us. Um, Thank you. We were just having a, uh, a a little bit of an off air dis well, not an, an on air, but off. Topic. Um, off topic discussion while we were waiting to get you back online. We were talking about, um, I'm just going to toss this question out and, and, and get your thoughts on it. We were talking about algae earlier in the show. Is this something we can eat? Algae. Um, yes, it's, uh, it's, uh, considered a very good source of omega-3 for, especially mm. for vegans and vegetarians. So, so the microalgae in particular has uh, the omega-3 long-chain fatty acids, so EPA and DHA. So, yes, um, that is definitely something that uh, we could consider having as part of uh, an overall healthy diet. No oh, thank you for thank you for just taking that question straight off the cuff because uh, okay. it was a uh, it was something we were talking about. We're thinking, well, I think you can eat algae. It sounds like a, a good thing to eat. But then mm-hmm. I suddenly got unsure about it. But um, yeah. okay, Angela, yeah. we're talking about living longer, healthier lives uh, this morning, yes. and yes. apparently Australians are living longer than what we used to be, and that 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 must be a good thing, right? It is a good thing, absolutely. I mean, we you know we sort of overcome. Things like poor hygiene, uh, overall sort of infectious diseases like tuberculosis and and other uh, uh, conditions that would cut our lives short, especially back in the 1800s. So, you know, we've doubled our life expectancy since uh, about uh, a century ago. So, you know, we've got advances in medical care, uh, much better living standards, Better working working conditions, but we also have a far better, far better understanding of nutrition and also health education. Of course, people are not smoking as much either. So yes, we're living longer, but I think the real question is, Lyle, are we living healthier? Yes, and, that was that was exactly where I was going to go with the with the next question. How much <laughs> how much healthier are the, are we than what we were before? Because it seems that there are different kinds of diseases that are stepping in and taking over where those infectious diseases might be moving out. That's right, exactly. So our latest health report, uh, Australia's health uh, report card, if you like, tells us that one in two Australians have at least one chronic disease and one in five of us adults have two or more. So that's like heart disease, diabetes, high blood pressure, perhaps even cancer. So... Uh, no, I think if we look at that sort of statistic, we're not really living any healthier, are we? Yeah, that's a massive number there. That's, that's huge. So half of us are living effectively with a, with at least one chronic disease. Um, that's, that's right. And, and the other, the other thing is, as, as we get into our, you know, our fifth, sixth, seventh decade, uh, a number of people are actually looking at, um, eight years of disability, so that's a rather poor outlook, I would think. I wouldn't want to be thinking about living the last eight, ten years of my life with a significant disability because of my poor health. So, yeah, we, we're not living uh, healthier, we're living longer, but we're not living healthier, unfortunately. Are these 
you know, what, what are these major diseases that we're living with, particularly at the end of our life, and are they preventable? Yes. So heart disease uh, is, is really the leading cause of death still. Uh, and then, believe it or not, dementia is uh, becoming the second leading cause of death, according to our health report, especially for women, and that's a huge concern. But then there are the most common cancers like colon cancer, quite significant here in Australia, and then also prostate and breast cancers. But apart from that, we've got one in 20 Australians who self-report having diabetes, that's type 2 diabetes particularly, and then um, asthma is an issue, and then we also have rising concerns with mental health conditions. So, uh, And then, of course, uh, we have a real uh, obesogenic problem here in Australia where two-thirds of adults are overweight, and that, of course, contributes to poor health as well, we know. So when we look down this list here, you know, you're talking about heart disease, cancers, diabetes, um, obesity. These are all, you know, we understand very, very clearly these are, are, are our lifestyle diseases. These are, are diseases that are, of, of choice and so forth. One of the things I wanted to ask about is uh, what, about, what about dementia? Is this a lifestyle disease as well? Well, it is because it's very, very um, specifically linked to um, our lifestyle choices. So poor diet, we know, can affect our cognition. Uh, one of the underlying causes of, of uh, uh, cognition, uh, cognitive decline is chronic inflammation. Chronic inflammation is a, uh, the underlying cause of a lot of our chronic diseases. And that is specifically linked with poor, poor lifestyle choices, including poor diet, uh, smoking, inactivity, and also consumption of alcohol. So yes, dementia, you can consider one of, one of the uh, chronic diseases that we need to be concerned about, uh, that's for sure. It seems that here in Australia we've done exceptionally well compared to many other countries in reducing the level of smoking. Um, what about other uh, lifestyle you know, problems like, say, for instance, vaping um, seems to be taking hold amongst the younger generation and alcohol seems to be hanging in there. How big of an issue are these as far as these lifestyle diseases go? Well, it's, it's considered one of the four significant lifestyle choices that cause 90% of all, all deaths, premature deaths. And, and chronic disease. So by changing the way, uh, by changing our lifestyle choices, we can actually prevent 90% of uh, these chronic diseases I've mentioned as well as premature death. So that's, that's a huge, huge statistic. Mm. And it really suggests that we have a far more, uh, uh, far more significant influence over our own personal uh, lifestyle or, or chronic health uh, conditions than we ever, ever realised. So making some really good, important choices early, earlier on in life is, is uh, very important. So choosing not to smoke, choosing to be more active, choosing to eat healthier, choosing not to drink alcohol uh, is all going to have a significant difference in terms of our, our overall health outcomes uh, later on in life.
So do we have do we have good research available from you know various places around the world where people are living longer that give us you know good evidence to show how effective a good lifestyle can be? Absolutely, and I, I think one of the best um, uh, stories around longevity has been told through the National Geographic researcher by the name of Dan Butner in his book and uh, also some articles that came out in the National Geographic magazine on secrets of living longer, healthier lives. Now, some of your listeners may have heard of uh, the Blue Zone research, which was essentially looking at uh, five communities around the world who have lived well into their ninth and tenth decades and significantly without disability. So without having to live with chronic diseases such as uh, heart disease and diabetes. And what what Dan Butner was able to um, uh, discover was that these folk simply followed nine lifestyle principles that improved quality and quantity of life. And uh, these are quite significant because it tells us that it's not just one or two things that we need to be considering in terms of providing, uh, making sure that we live a good quality and quantity of life. Um, so, so he, for instance, he pointed out that uh, it's a good idea. These these communities actually uh, their their everyday life. Uh, involved moving naturally. They were out in their garden. They were tending their sheep and goats. They were walking down to the to the to the food market every day. Uh, they were just naturally active people. They didn't really think about, well, this is exercise, or I have to go to the gym. You know, uh, they were simply moving naturally, and they had a very strong sense of purpose, a real an important reason to get up in the morning. They were very well connected with their community. They knew how to relax and to rest. They put loved ones first. They had a very strong community support system. But in terms of their choices around food, they knew that it was important to eat wisely and they ate mostly a plant-based diet. And a lot of their food actually came out of their garden. So they were growing most of what they ate. And they really did understand that food um, was important for life, that, you know, food was like medicine. Um, they understood that when they went to pick their, their, their green leafy vegetables, that that was, that was doing them a whole lot of good. Uh, highly colored fruits and veggies were, were part of their everyday diet. Eating lots of legumes, um, eating whole grains and not the refined grains. All of this were, were very important uh, ingredients in their everyday meal. So the common feature was simply that they ate more plant foods than most communities uh, typically would do. Yeah, and I, I find it fascinating that, you know, you've got a couple of these um, communities that are, you know, long-lived communities uh, in the Mediterranean area, you know, Sardinia, 
uh, in Greece, um, sorry, in Italy and Icaria in Greece and so forth. And when you look at the Mediterranean diet, it seems to be very similar to me to be, you know, to, to what you see when you look at the biblical diet that you find outlined in the Bible. Is there a, is there a connection between the Mediterranean diet and uh, what people actually, you know, ate in, in the Bible? Yes, isn't that, I mean, it's fascinating, isn't it? So um, certainly uh, the, the biblical diet, and if we go right back to Genesis, for instance, uh, we were advised to eat mostly plant foods and, uh, you know, that uh, the fruit-bearing seed was, was uh, what was considered um, recommended as, as the ideal, optimal way to eat. So... Um, but yes, the Mediterranean diet, I mean, it's, it's primarily, uh, plant foods, it's wild greens, it's legumes, it's, uh, extra virgin olive oil. We read a lot about olive oil, don't we, in the Bible? Yes. Uh, it was, it was certainly a, a, a key feature, um, for making breads and so forth. So yes, uh, very key, very key to, uh, to the ways that, uh, people both in the Mediterranean during the Biblical times, uh, ate, that's for sure. Angela, it's been fantastic having you here on the show this morning and I could just continue this conversation all morning, but unfortunately we are out of time. So thank you so much for joining us here on The Breakfast Show. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.